Hey, my name is Joe O'Neill. Welcome to the Pursuit Collective Podcast. I'm here, joined as always by my co-host, Mark Cook. What's up, man? And Mark's going to introduce our special guest who's in studio with us today. Yeah, it's good to actually have another person here with us and not just through a phone call. So, um, Matt Manzari, a great friend of ours, a legend in the wake world. Uh, Most of you know him as a uh, professional wake skater for many years and has an incredible story. We're excited to have you here with us here in Fort Myers. First time at the House of Red Nature. Yeah, first time. Super excited to be here. Drinking a, drinking a latte. Oat milk latte. I good? mean, yeah, it's amazing. Did okay. you realize it was going to be as hot in the studio as it was going to be? Because well, it's, I'm sweating. For the listeners, we're sitting right by a window yeah. with like 90 degrees. <laughs> uh, it's Florida. Florida sun shining right in on us. But um, yeah, we're excited to be here with you guys and... Like we said, Matt has an incredible story, and we're just going to kind of jump right in to hearing a little bit about his story and then really helping you guys process this question of why do bad things happen to good people? Mm. Because we see that, and I think a lot of people can uh, struggle with the idea of God and that, uh, and God allowing that to happen. So, um, Matt, you are a father. I am. I have three boys, yep. uh, three, five, and six. Justice Trigg and Hardy. So our world is filled with monster trucks and tears and laughs and blood and it's awesome. So <laughs> lots of snakes too. Lots of snakes. My boys love catching snakes and lizards. I think uh, Steve Irwin is uh-huh. one of their heroes. Yeah. Um, Future Florida men. Yeah. Yeah. Blue, yeah. They're current Florida men. Oh, this current guy, Florida men. <laughs> so Matt, Matt's an avid alligator catcher. Dude. I do catch a lot of alligators. Avidly. <laughs> I mean, how, how many alligators would you say you've caught in your lifetime? Oh, I don't, I don't know. I don't, do you, Un- unknown. I mean, it's probably I mean, FWC is probably not a huge fan of that. Whatever that well, stat is, so maybe keep it under wraps. Well, you can legally, <laughs> you can legally hunt alligators. That's um, true. Because if you don't have population control, they can get overcrowded. That's true. You know, mm-hmm. disease can go through them. They can get dangerous. And um, so, I, I love animals. I love catching them. I also do hunt alligators. So I think we got twenty-two this year. Dang. Um, so it's pretty crazy. And then That's I avid. mean, we grab. How lots come of you're them. not wearing alligator boots right now? Bill, I'm, because we're you've at a skate got, park. You got a, <laughs> do you have a wallet? You have an alligator wallet? I do. Oh, That's yeah. Okay, oh, okay. sick. Um, Dude, and, then, and then been married for how long? Uh, I should know that. 11 years? 11 years, yeah. <laughs> I was, was like going to just make up 11. a number for you if you didn't just say one. Well, like 13 years. Yeah. 11 years. 11. But yeah, my wife's incredible. She's. Yeah. I think she should be the one who's on here. Like, to be honest. Bobby Jean is kind of my Next hero. episode. I can honestly testify that she's probably would be a better... Yeah, uh, guest. Oh, wow, dude. <laughs> she would have brought us food, and yeah. probably we would have uh, been eating snacks right now. But, right. Um, well, Matt, hey, I'm going to be taking the place of the listener out there because I honestly know a little bit about your story, but not a lot. And okay. so, um, maybe you could just sort of give us a big picture version of what your life's looked like the last few years, and um, what's happened to you, and then we'll kind of just go from there. Yeah, I guess like a like a thirty thousand foot quick view would be started my life as a started my career as a young uh athlete i turned pro when i was 15 um got to travel the world doing what i love wake skating is huge huge blessing um sort of made it through my whole career without any knee injuries shoulder injuries like pretty calculated riding and then near the end of my career i was kind of actually transitioning out and wanting to move towards something more towards ministry um, the weekend of graduation, um, from doing a theology degree, I crashed into the shoreline that was covered in rocks, um, uh, broke my skull in 13 places, broke my jaw clean on both sides, had, we think either rebar or stick, something punctured through the back of my leg, broke my tailbone, dislocated my hip and broke my hand in five places. Dang. So 
huge hiccup to like my wife and I were this young couple against the world going into ministry. Yeah. Um, and then just watching, you know, we can talk more about that later, but watching what God did in that recovery, uh, just being in a place where you didn't really see how any good could come in such a broken situation and then coming out of it, um, really prepared us for this storm that would kind of forever change our life. Cause two years later I was helping trim trees at a church and the main power line that powered basically the highest, it, it's the highest, uh, amperage. Um, it's a 12 to 20, 21,000 volt line. That's all amped up. Cause it's the line that powers Florida hospital in downtown, um, arced over and I got all that voltage run through me. Um, with the amperage and voltage, they said equivalent of being hooked to at least six electric chairs and, what? uh, spend about a week and a half in a coma. And then over the last seven years, I've had over 70 operations. Um, so it's been a journey. <laughs> So it's super wild. To and, say the least. And, yeah. and I don't know. I mean, Matt has done tons of these podcasts sharing this story through magazines and film. And we actually have great friends and partners of Right Nature and the Pursuit Collective uh, that run a ministry called This Is My Story. And uh, they did an incredible documentary on your life, Matt. Um, and if you go to thisismystory.org, just all one word, thisismystory.org, there's a full-length documentary called mm-hmm. Miracle Matt that um, – Rather than us tell you all those details, the video is so amazing. Yeah, it's just, it's just over 20 minutes. It's a short doc, and, you know, going into it, we, we'd never made anything like that. Even in my story, they had done more, like, I Am Second-style interview, mm-hmm. and uh, it was almost like we filmed uh, an interview for my first accident, mm-hmm. and we just shot that, and then a few weeks later, they were editing, and I got electrocuted, and they're like, well, if Matt dies, we can't release this. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. it was kind of like during that first or kind of that second month when it started looking like I might live in the hospital that Kevin started coming back in our Mm -hmm. friend who's the director of this my story and he's like I don't know what this looks like but let me gather cell phone videos and it's funny because it's not really a short film Mm -hmm. there are aspects where we shot stuff but Mm -hmm. it's not really documentary because um, there are aspects where it's the interviews and the videos from my childhood and my life are real it's kind of like a short film meets a short doc Mm -hmm. and yeah it's just this thing. And it's won a bunch of awards. It's um, It really is an incredible, incredible project. And um, and that whole resource through This Is My Story, there's curriculum that they've written with your story, teaching people how to share your story. And I mean, that's really the kind of the vision even for the Pursuit Collective yeah, yeah. is to help I, people identify how we are all collectively, hopefully pursuing the same thing, which is a relationship with the Lord. And um, well, If I can, yeah. just for a second, man, I want to back up just a little bit. So... You, you grew up like in the faith or understanding like who Jesus was or what would it look like for you to um, be introduced, you know, to who Jesus was and to have faith in him? Because I think that's going to lead me to a question about, you know, as you come through these catastrophic injuries, like, you know, how are you making it through? So t- take us back maybe to when you were growing up. Yeah, like when I was a kid, um, pretty involved in the church. My parents helped plant a church in upstate New York and uh Pretty early on, like I loved baseball, but then action sports started to play a big role in my life. Uh, I got a skateboard and kind of the rest was history. Um, and I, I always considered myself, I, I don't know, like kind of a cheesy quote, but I guess a, a Christian athlete, I guess, and trying to figure out what that looked like. Mm-hmm. But, um, but it really, I think the wake up was... I think I hit a midlife crisis when I was like 17, <laughs> um, like an early midlife crisis that I had, you always think the next thing is going to do it. Mm-hmm. Like, Oh, if I could just win trick of the year, that's like the most respected award. Or if I can get on the cover of wakeboard mag or like 
if this magazine or this contest or mm. this recognition is going to be the thing or a major sponsor, like, and then those things happen and you realize, Oh, super cool. Okay. What's next? What's mm, next? And yeah. you, you finally get to this point where you're like, I'm kind of where in a place where I guess from a worldly standpoint, I never dreamed I would be here and I'm pretty empty. Mm. And if my life is about bringing, like, I'm not saying all athletes are selfish, but I was. And even as somebody who said I was a Christian that wanted to use my my platform to share my faith, it was like, cool, that sounds good. But the mm. reality was my daily focus was more more sponsors, more endorsements, more exposure for me. Yeah. And I think when I was 17, God just put on my heart, like, where do I and others fit into this U world? Yeah. And uh, I sort of just walked away from my career. Dang, thinking, is that how he asked you that question? Because <laughs> that's I love that. Yeah. How do I fit into your world? Yeah, and mm. that that's kind of mm. how that that's exactly like mm. how I remember it. And um, and I guess I thought I was walking away from this thing that you know you, the pursuit of the Christian life you think is gonna I don't know cost you everything, and in mm. some ways it does. But it's like I walked away. And I'd never been involved in discipleship. I'd never been involved in a church. Like I just was somebody that showed up at youth group when I was in town and showed up at church. And when I actually started getting to see people's lives transform, it was mm-hmm. like, this is way cooler than anything that's ever happened in action sports mm-hmm. for me. And um, so I, I did a four-year degree in theology and biblical languages minor and did had no idea what I wanted to do. I, I was just there to learn. Like mm-hmm. I, everyone... All my classmates are like, oh, I knew I was going to be a pastor from when I was 10 years old. I'm like, oh, that's super cool. I have no idea what I'm doing <laughs> with my life. I'm probably going to go dig wells in Africa. That's kind of where my heart is. Yeah. And then uh, I got out, of the ho- uh, got out of the hospital, got, got out of school and kind of had this accident and then just got on our feet and had this other one and doors opened and hmm. I'm still trying to figure out what I'm going to do. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> and I think it, and a lot of ways you're doing it, but and not, yeah, to, but. not to steer away from this conversation because it's I really love where it's going, but I think it's cool. I mean, I think a lot of listeners might not even know what way skating is. And so yeah. you grew up skateboarding, which everyone knows what skateboarding is, but being a wake skater, I mean, that's what you were, you were yeah. never a professional so, wakeboarder. But and wake now, now wake surfing is kind of taking over our industry. Totally. So the yeah. generation out there now sees a lot of wake surfing and even mm-hmm. wakeboarding is more rare. But yeah. I mean, back in the day you had wakeboarding that was like snowboarding on the water and then yeah. you had, you had a uh, skateboarding and, I love both those things. So when I saw wake skating, it was like, oh, I can combine wakeboarding. Dude, and it, so and, you're wakeboarding behind the boat, hitting yeah. the wake, but yeah, you're hitting no the wake, straps, you're, no bindings. Yeah, you have you're just got tape, a big skate deck. You, you know, Nike got involved in wake skating pretty early. Mm-hmm. I was their first athlete, and then we had a team mm-hmm. of wake skaters. Yeah. And they were stoked on it because they're like, you guys actually wear the shoes. Like, yeah. when we mm-hmm. sponsor surfers. And <laughs> That's right. Yeah. yeah. You're so not so. Just bindings. Yeah. It was like, you know, so we're wearing regular skate shoes. Yeah. Um, and a lot of it is you it's almost like uh vert and street mm-hmm. our version of that is like you ride behind the boat wake to wake it's kind of like vert yeah and then street is like behind the jet ski you know you're building flat bars and yeah um or you're winching where you're jumping down ponds or building handrails totally. jumping down stair sets stuff mm-hmm. like and it's that. like if, for those of you guys that are listening i mean there's people doing matt was doing this you know tray flips on the wake skate yeah. you know varial flips if on you the haven't wake watched skate. it, it dude, it's, it's crazy and if you have like a like me i you and I like you know I skate like so I never wake skated but I can feel like what's happening because I know the but feeling of the board doing to whatever a, to a varial flip oh yeah like, I mean dude, I, the board I, weighs like what how much I didn't say I could yeah, do my it. board's like 11 and a half pounds yeah so it's like <laughs> you're kicking this heavy piece of wood you know and really having to flick the board hard. and I'm moving from indies to thunder lights so. yeah <laughs> exactly but so. what was cool was being able to look to skateboarding and bring in the aspects totally. to the sport that you wanted like oh, yeah. I yeah. remember 
sitting on an airplane watching uh, Chris Haslam part where he's between tricks and he just does this varial flip under flip. And I was oh, like, yeah. dude, that's sick. Like you just kind of leave your foot out there and then flip it back the other way mm-hmm. halfway. And there's going out and trying, trying, trying. And then we had under flips and like skating. It was like all of our inspiration came from skateboarding. It's so cool. Well, and you're early enough in that sport that you're part of the progression. Like you're mm-hmm. part of the ones like inventing the tricks or bringing them from skateboarding and you guys were, to and, skate, you know, wake skate. And you were paving the way. I mean, I was just sharing with you the other day that um, one of our great friends, and he sits on the board of directors for with Red Nature, but Eric Ludger, uh, everyone knows him as Gator in the wakeboard world, but um, he had done this this video called Transgressions. I was telling someone the other day, I was like, man, that's maybe one of my favorite wakeboard videos. And then I totally forgot Matt was in the video. Matt was like, <laughs> yeah, I was like one of the writers. Yeah, Gator Boards is like my first big in industry sponsor and, yeah. uh, and Gator was awesome. Like he yeah. owned Gator boards and you know, we traveled all over the world for that video. We went totally. to Bali and uh, Singapore and lots of cool places. It was Dang. sweet. Yeah. Well, so getting, getting back to that sort of that accident uh, kind of a little bit later and are you still, you know, are you still pro? Are you still having a career? Or are you just writing for fun at that point? That first initial accident, you know? Uh, so- yeah, that was, it was kind of a funny place because I, I sort of, when I went to school for ministry, I kind of thought I'd lose my career. Yeah. That was like, okay, I came to terms with that. God kind of called my bluff. I'd never heard God speak, and I heard people tell me, oh, God told me this or that. And I'm like, man, I, I never even mm. feel like I've heard his voice clearly. Mm-hmm. And it seems like he tells you what, what you should have for breakfast. And um, <laughs> so I always struggled with like the idea of like, how do you know it's from the Lord? And I kind of put this out there and in a super clear way. I was like, that was kind of scary. Okay, Lord, I guess you just called my bluff. So I went to school thinking I was losing everything. Mm. And then I think he just needed me at that place. Cause then it was like, okay, I thought I'd lose my sponsors in that first year. Um, after missing some stuff, photo shoots, contests, whatever I won uh, trick of the year. And then the second year I got a cover and it was like, he kept giving me these little nuggets mm. to help me be able to support myself and my wife. We got married halfway through and so I don't know what I would call myself at that point. I was kind of just cutting ties with my last sponsors, but we had maintained my career through college, which was kind of unexpected. So we were definitely moving in a different direction. But at that time, it was like it was the first stop of the tour. And my theory was I was going to school up in Tennessee. And I'm like, oh, I could move a U-Haul down, qualify for the tour. If I could get on the podium, make some money, I'll pay for our movie expenses, mm. go back, take mm-hmm. my finals. And then we're graduated we're going to Guyana for a mission trip and we're like full-time ministry. And yeah. that was, it was kind of the end, yeah, the very end. And uh, it was kind of the beginning of something new yeah. as well. <laughs> yeah, that's good. So both of these accidents and the, both the first one being huge, huge and significant, but the second one probably being even more mm-hmm. sounds like it was even more traumatic and more significant. Um, tell me how your faith in Christ that, you know, became started to become real to you as a teenager and that you began to pursue through, um, you know, school and ministry. Like, tell me how you wrestled through, like, the question that Mark asked at the beginning, like, mm-hmm. why do bad things happen to people? I think bad things, there's no good people, right? I mean, dude, you're, at, that, you're at a church. Why do bad things happen in this world? Like, why why is there suffering? Totally. And I mean, I was just even thinking, like, you're at a church trimming trees yeah, for free. Yeah, you're trying to do something For to the help, church to help right? out. And then, and then, obviously, this crazy you know yeah. accident happens that's so out of left field and you're just like come on lord like why mm. me right why now yeah I, I think it's such a good question because it goes back to what is our starting point like mm. what is our view of god's sovereignty what is our view of the lord's goodness mm-hmm. um what is good 
And you look at, because people say, oh, why do bad things happen to good people? And like you mentioned, what is a good person? Because the Bible says, who have sinned, all have sinned. Mm -hmm. And so you have to think of fairness. Like, is the Lord fair? And I've looked into that question so much Mm. through scripture. And I've determined the Lord is not fair. Mm -hmm. He's not. And like, before we cut and kick me off this podcast, like, to hear me out, fair is the thing that should happen, does happen. Right. And if he was fair, he says the wages of sin is death, who have sinned all. So the fact that we're having this conversation, it's not fair. Mm-hmm. That the Lord is so good that he says, hey, you don't deserve this, but I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to give you my only son, and he's going to give his life so you can have it and have it abundantly. Mm-hmm. So just every breath we have. So when we look at our starting point of like, what do I deserve? What we deserve is death. Mm -hmm. We don't deserve this conversation. We don't deserve this life. So everything else is gravy. And um, I know for me, uh, when you look at that question of why do bad things happen to quote unquote good people, um, a lot of Christians and a lot of us say things that are kind of damaging because they're not really backed in scripture. Like, oh, well, everything happens for a reason. It's like, cool, show me that verse. Mm -hmm. It's like sometimes the reason's not so good. Sometimes the reason is somebody looks down to send a text message and goes over the yellow line and kills your loved one. And and the more I've gotten experience in the last few years and work with other people in trauma, mm-hmm. that why question is so paralyzing. Mm-hmm. People, why me? Why did this happen? Mm-hmm. Why? And and starting to realize, hey, why will never bring healing? Mm-hmm. If the Lord comes down right now and says, hey, you, you know why you lost your legs? Because this. Okay, you're still in that chair. Mm-hmm. So why doesn't bring healing, but asking what's next does. And what's next is, Lord, how do I use this? What mm-hmm. are you doing in this? And, um, you know, when I, I, I don't know. I always think of Joseph. Like, he's his brother, sell him into slavery, mm-hmm. tell dad he's mm-hmm. dead, do all these horrible things to him. He gets thrown in prison, all this stuff. And years later, they're reunited. And they throw themselves down at him like, dude, we're so sorry. Like, the things... You, you, you know, we can't believe the horrible things we did. He's like, no, the things you did for evil to harm me, God mm-hmm. used for good. The mm-hmm. good that's being done now, the saving of many lives in Genesis uh, 50, 20, I think is where it says that. And um, and that's what he does in all of our stories. That's the gospel that it's not that he has to electrocute his kids or take his kids in a car accident mm-hmm. or make them struggle. Like he can make the rocks cry out. He mm-hmm. doesn't need us to get his message out but he chooses to do it through us. Mm. And he chooses to say, Hey, this is brokenness. You know, my original plan was for you to live eternally in Mm. the garden in Mm -hmm. relationship with me. Mm -hmm. But sin and brokenness is a part of this world Mm. and bad things happen. Mm. There could be some dude in the parking lot right now that just pulls a pistol out of his car and just Mm. fires it randomly. And a bullet can come through the window and shoot one of us. Does that mean that like that happened for this big orchestrated reason? Or it could be, I mean, people do bad things to people. People, Mm -hmm make decisions and there's consequences we make mistakes we make misjudgments we have an enemy that prowls around like a lion like Mm, bad mm -hmm. things happen every day but what god is saying is hey in this brokenness will you trust me Mm -hmm. because i'm doing something Mm -hmm. and then our posture before him is okay lord if you never do another thing for me i owe you the rest of my life because of what you've already done on the cross. Mm-hmm. And I was sharing with you guys earlier, like that hit me really big in the hospital of laying in this bed, having person after person come in to pray with me. And I believe prayer works. I believe God hears prayers and does change situations. But first of all, we don't deserve it. First mm-hmm. of all, it's all extra. Like I do feel like I should have died. We have numerous doctors 
that said, hey, his kidneys are shutting down. Hey, his heart is going to fail. Hey, the brain damage is severe. Mm. Hey, we're nine hours from a surgery to cut both his arms off of the shoulders. And I think, okay, why were the best doctors wrong again and again and mm-hmm. again? Why? Because we serve an unfair God that's crazy about us. And every once in a while, he does step in, says, this is still my world. These are my people. I have the last say. Mm. But even when we don't get that answer, it's not anything less that we've done. It's not that our faith mm. is weaker. Mm. It's, it's that he's already given us victory over everything in this world. Okay. Yeah. And I, I mean, that's really helpful, man. And I think that's, I think that's definitely the posture you have to, to, to engage. Anyone who's in this world is going to face suffering. I mean, mm-hmm. just truly, you're just going to face suffering. There's nobody who's going to escape from it. There's levels, right? But like nobody's going to escape from the hardness and the brokenness of, of being in the world. But the truest picture of who God is, is Jesus, right? That's what Hebrews 1 talks about. That's what other scripture talks about. If you want to know who God is, look at Jesus. And what did Jesus do? Like he came and suffered with us, like actually suffered for us. And so I think that is the hope, um, is that Jesus didn't leave us. He came to us, suffered for us, and suffered with us. And we deserve it. He didn't. And he took all the things that we deserve. And then you talked about that garden where the things were meant to be unbroken. We're supposed to live in a perfect relationship in a perfect place. Well, for those who are in Christ Jesus, who have faith in him, that's where we're headed. We're headed to a place that is perfect with him forever that will be untouchable by sin and by um, by the enemy. And I think we forget how much of this world God has actually allowed Satan to have dominion over. Mm-hmm. Like, Satan can't do anything apart from God, but God's given Satan a lot yeah. of leash, so to speak, yeah. to to bring brokenness to the world. Mm-hmm. And we think that we're living, you know, apart from, you know, all that. But, man, we're living in a dark, dark world of which God is still in control and still sovereign, but in which we have a real enemy who who is doing horrible and terrible things all the time. So I loved it that you brought that up, that it's Satan doing those things. I think we have such a window into that God-Satan relationship in the book of Job. Yeah. Because um, people are like, oh, God's doing this. And it's like, in him is light. Mm. There's no darkness. Like That's He's right. not doing the bad. And we see that in Job where Satan and, uh, you know, Satan and God are having this conversation. And Satan's like, well, the only reason he's like, consider my servant Job. Like he serves me, he, all these things. And he's like, well, he only does that because you've blessed him because mm-hmm. of this life. If you touch him, if you harm him, watch him, he'll curse you and die. And God's response and sort of to amplify the answer is like, that's not my game. Mm-hmm. I don't do that. He he says to Satan, he allows him mm-hmm. to do what he does and bring brokenness and destruction. But God doesn't bring the brokenness and destruction. Right. And there's a lot of, I think we can get angry at God or struggle. And it's like the, the good things that are happening in our life are from the Lord. That's right. And the bad things aren't. That's right. I, the verse that always comes to my mind, so I just pulled this up. It's uh, Matthew forty-five or Matthew five forty-five is what it says. It says, "For he makes the sun rise on the evil and the good, and sends rain on the just and the unjust." Mm-hmm. We live in a broken world. I mean, and I think that there's this this idea that God is sovereign, but yet people want God to be sovereign, but they also want Him to intervene in every right. situation. And you're just like, man, like the sin that exists in the world sometimes. Mm-hmm. God's intervention would take away our free will, which then would remove his real love. I mean, real yeah. love allowing us to choose. And so people are like, well, why is there, 
you know, why are there people being raped and why is there sex trafficking and why is there, mm-hmm. you know, starvation? It's like a lot of those things I would argue, like we can have an effect on taking away those things. You mm-hmm. know, it's men's sinfulness or, or greed or pride or whatever it might be yeah. that is, is causing that harm. Not God, of course not, you yeah. know. And, and there's almost a false sense of security in believers that, hey, if I follow the Lord, right. I'll be almost exempt from these totally. things. From and, it, and it's, I mean, it that theology obliterates God's character. And we don't realize yeah. it till we amplify. It's like, wait, so wait a minute. So you think if you live in this way that you shouldn't get cancer and you shouldn't struggle and you shouldn't. So right. in that world, there is no such thing as grace and mercy. That's right. And it obliterates God's character because that's a workspace system. Yeah, if you we try ampl- to earn whatever. Yeah, if we amplify that, all the atheists would die young and totally get diseases and all the Christians would live long and prosper. And where is God's At character? What point, to, to what extent, too? To what yeah. age do you continue to live? <laughs> yeah, the promise of Jesus is that in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So yeah. so back to your story, because I, I, you know, I've heard that and watched the film, but you know, your wife mm. is sitting there mm. looking at her husband unconscious. Like, dude, I remember even, even during the process of filming the project, like you, you were even still saying, man, the doctors don't think I'll ever wake skate again, you know? And like to think even how far you've come since that, you know, it's crazy. But, um, what was, what was Bobby Jean's outlook through the whole Bobby's thing? Bobby's incredible. Like, you know, one thing I like to talk about is, um, Okay, so how do we face challenge? Because we're all going to face struggles. We know mm-hmm. that now. Um, so if we're all going to face struggle, one thing I've realized is we don't make good decisions in the moment mm-hmm. when our emotions are involved. We don't. Like, we don't do the things we know. We do the things we feel. So how do we make decisions on the front end and then manage those decisions? That's how I became a pro athlete. Like, I didn't get to, not to back up too far, but I would love to tell you, oh, I... I naturally was a good skater or wake skater or whatever, but that wasn't the case at all. Like I was a 14 year old kid. My dad told me the story, story of the four minute mile. Hmm. And he's like, yeah, for thousands of years, we measured how long it takes to run a mile. And it was impossible for anyone to break under four minutes. Then in 1954, Roger Bannister does it by 1960, just six years later, over 30 people do it right. since and hundreds have done it. And as a 14 year old kid, I realized like maybe sports we teach it backwards. Mm-hmm. Maybe something as raw and physical as run that while time you is still more mental. And our biggest competitor is looking back at us in the mirror. Mm. So what has God created us to do and be that's more than we imagine? So I, I made decisions on the front end to, Hey, I'm going to land some tricks. I'm going to do some things that, and I'm going to be in the mindset that they've already done. And then I look at Bobby in the hospital and making that front end decision making mm. when she said for better, for worse, the worst was so much worse. Totally. Like as this young couple against mm-hmm. the world, like she's, you know, we're getting married. Her husband is this like athlete that's leaving his career to be in ministry. And we're probably gonna be missionaries or something. And we have this just like, uh, just this naive outlook on the world. Of that. It's going to be this fun adventure. And then we go through these major challenges. And she said the first time they told her, because they were doing stimulus testing to see if my brain was responding. Mm. Um, they kind of poke you and prod you to see mm-hmm. if you respond. And mm-hmm. I wasn't. And they're like, hey, the, the brain damage is, you know, his brain's super swollen. We're, he's not responding. Wow. We're pretty sure the brain damage is really severe. And uh, her first image, she said, that jumped in her mind was, she said, I just saw us sitting on the porch as old people and me spoon feeding you and telling you about my day and just hoping a little bit of the real you is still in there. Mm. And 
even though when she said for better, for worse, the worst was so much worse. Mm -hmm. She never went there. She didn't say, well, I'm pregnant with our first child. I need to look out for me and my needs right now. I didn't sign up for this. She said, okay, this isn't what I signed up for, but what does moving forward look like? Mm -hmm. And I've watched our marriage go from a husband and wife to a patient caretaker Mm -hmm. and me feeling like a burden and losing kind of the romantic side of our marriage to now watching it rebuild is stronger than it's ever been. But that's only because of a lot of decisions that my wife made along the way. Totally. Man, I'm super thankful that you have spent some time with us today. Just sharing your story. Everyone should go watch that, you know, short film documentary. Dude, it's so good. It's yeah, I've watched it. It's, it's incredible. Um, just maybe for just as we're kind of closing down here for, kids who are out there who are super into action sports and, you know, or music or, cult or, you know, or whatever that they're into, like help give them a vision for how they can take whatever things they're passionate about and, and use those things for God's glory. Yeah. Um, two things. Uh, can I touch on two? Yeah. You can touch <laughs> so on just kind of, wants. just kind of on the, on the idea of closing up like pain and suffering mm-hmm. and life and then how that, impacts how we move forward how we use the things Mm. um i love you know our world we constantly use pain and suffering as interchangeable terms but i really don't like that because they're different pain is inevitable but suffering is optional and pain is the thing that happens in our life to us but then suffering is when we allow those things to break us Mm. and we can face large amounts of pain but we don't have to suffer and as we go through our relationships and our school life and our sports careers and our sports interests, whatever it is, like we're going to face pain in this world, but we don't have to suffer. And I think that's what, when people look to us, like when we're approaching, how do we use what we're doing now as a platform to be the hands and feet of Jesus? Mm-hmm. Part of it is just, if your life, that cliche saying, if your life was the only Bible anyone ever read, would they want to read it? What are they looking at? Like when you're at the skate park, if you can't land your trick, are you screaming and cussing and throwing your board? Or are you still being like, man, I'm on a skateboard. This is a lot of fun. And okay, I'm having an off day, but who cares? Like, let me go talk to somebody. Are we talking to the people? Are we helping the people around us? And, um, so when we go through our pain, realizing pain's going to come to our life, but we can choose not to suffer. We Mm -hmm. can choose to find joy that there is joy in every circumstance, Mm -hmm. even in our brokenness that, um, and a lot of that comes from looking outward. Mm -hmm. I know in the hospital for me at my lowest points, um, if I started to be like, man, I'm dealing with this, this, and this, it, it was really, really overwhelming. Mm. But I was like, okay, in this position, I can't do a lot, but what can I do? Cause I might only have a few days to live. So starting to build relationships with the patients around me, what my nurses and praying with them and spending time with them and investing in their lives. Then I'm like, Hey, George, two doors down, he's getting his arm cut off today. I got to go talk to him and pray with him. And you know, so-and-so is going through stress in her marriage. I could be praying see how their conversation went last night. And mm. you start, your focus is the people around you, even in this small world. And then your problems, oh yeah, I got something going on. I got a surgery tomorrow, but that's not your focus anymore. So mm. how do we, in our situation, look less inward, more outward, recognize pain for what it is. It's just that it's pain, mm. but it doesn't need to break us. And that we can bring joy and light into the world in whatever we're doing. Mm-hmm. That's good. So good. 
Matt, thank you so much, man. I mean, I think obviously we could keep talking forever, but uh, for those listening, if you want to continue to follow Matt's story, if you want to message him, Mm -hmm. if, I mean, I feel like, dude, I see this with you. You are so generous with your time and encouraging other people. If you're going through something hard and you just need somebody to say, dude, keep going, dude, I'm sure Matt would be willing to please reach out. Like I'm super open about anything. Ask any questions. Always, you know, shoot me a message on Whatever it is, uh, Instagram, Facebook, whatever. So um, social media, it's just Matt Manzari, your name, mm-hmm. Matt Manzari. Go- dude, Google Matt Manzari. Dude, look up some pictures of him wake skating. <laughs> dude, you've got the most epic, Ripping. really boned out Ollie. <laughs> that is like one of my favorite wake skate photos. But Matt Manzari. And then if you're interested, seriously, having Matt come uh, to speak at your church at an event, um, beyondtheburn.life is your website. And, and mm-hmm. you're speaking you know, encouraging people all the mm-hmm. time. And so would love to encourage you to do that. And then also this is my story.org is um, a ministry training and equipping people to share their testimonies, just like Matt. It's cool. And, yeah. The, um, the hope we, we touched on it. There's a curriculum uh, just so people know, I hope our, our hope with the movie, mm-hmm. with the documentary and with the curriculum is that people come maybe thinking they're seeing and learning about my story, but leaving learning about theirs. Exactly. Um, and that's what the curriculum is, is a lot of us. If I said, what's your story? We don't know how to answer that. We've never been asked that. So the hope is that at the end of the six weeks, everybody in your small group, or or if you can do it through personally, that you know how to share your story because that's the greatest thing we have so as our testimony. And we all we all have one. And mm-hmm. it hopefully a part of the pursuit collective is yeah. that it's all the same. Is that yeah. we were lost, we were broken, we that's were right. dead, and now we're alive. Amen. Amen. So, so good. Um, well, just as a closing, you know, there are endless things you could be pursuing. And our hope is that you are finding life through the Pursuit Collective of Pursuing Jesus. So thank you for joining us, and we look forward to having you next time. Thank you, guys.